Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Okay, so assalamu alaykum to um, everyone who's uh, going to join us live inshallah and uh, also assalamu uh, alaykum and welcome to anyone that might get a chance to listen to this podcast um, down the track. Uh, today's discussion uh, is going to uh, be based on uh, a certain issue um, that was um, uh, brought to my attention uh, during the week. Uh, one of the brothers um, had a query about um, a certain um, objection to divine unity. Um, uh, so, you know, we'll revise in a moment exactly what we mean by divine unity, um, uh, but um just to commence um of course what we mean by um what we mean by the notion of divine unity at least in part you know is just to say that um allah is one um and he doesn't have any partners okay um the universe that we observe around us is um created by him and him alone okay so these are the sorts of things that we mean by divine unity and i'll say uh, a little bit more about um, what it entails uh, in a moment, um, but just based on what I've said so far, um, the objection that um, persons might have uh, is as follows: um, you know, even if we do concede that uh, the universe is created, you know, by a divine being, um, why think that there can only be one such being? Um, it might be that the universe is the work of, you know, two divine beings or multiple divine beings, um, maybe maybe many, many beings. Um, so why, um, how can we show that this isn't the case? So our scholars have um, dealt with this particular issue um, and indeed the Qur'an deals with this particular issue. Um, there's a particular um uh, there's a particular Quranic verse that specifically repudiates um, exactly that notion that there might be um, multiple divine beings uh, that are together responsible for the creation of the universe. So our scholars relying on that particular verse, um, which I'll, I'll read in a moment too, inshallah, um, but um, relying on that particular verse, they've come up with a, um, a certain argument and it's called the the Delil al Tamanu'a, okay, um, which is generally translated as the uh, the proof or um, yeah, you know, the Delil, the argument or the proof from um, mutual hindrance, okay. Um, so that's going to be our topic today, uh, that particular argument, um, and you know, just how. Um, our scholars have used that argument to um, respond to the opponent of divine unity. And in particular, what I'm going to be interested in today is Beduzaman's take on this particular issue. Okay. Um, Beduzaman has his own take on it, his own particular way of um, discussing that verse and you know that sort of proof for divine unity. Um, uh, it's a method that's very much Quranic in uh, in nature, in, in terms of its style. Um, uh, yeah, it very much emulates the Quranic style. So um, I want to specifically focus on that, um, and I'm hoping that by the end of this discussion, you know, we um, can see that 
you know, the notion of this universe being the product of multiple beings, um, yeah, you know, is well and truly without basis, okay? Um, first thing that I should say is that, um, you know, the, the Quranic verse that we're talking about, um, let me read it now, inshallah. Uh, okay, so it's from Surah Al-Anbiya, 22nd verse. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو كان فيهما آلهة إلا الله لفسدنا. Okay, um, that's a part of the verse at least that's uh, relevant um, for our purpose today, and it's rendered here in English as follows. So I'm, again, I'm, I'm only going to read part of the verse. If there were other gods. In them besides Allah, those two realms of heaven and earth would have both been ruined. Okay, so you know, basically, if there were other gods, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes translated alternatively along these sorts of lines. If there were other gods um, responsible for this universe besides Allah, um, then know that this universe. Uh, this orderly, uh, harmonious universe that we observe um, could not have come about. Okay, it would have been ruined. It wouldn't have existed in the first place. Um, yeah, uh, certainly not in this orderly form could it have existed. Um, so that's the Quranic verse. And first thing that I need to point out um, is that what the verse is repudiating um, is the possibility of two or more divine beings okay um so what do we mean by divine being that's the first thing that's the important thing now we've actually discussed this in recent times you know we've discussed what we exactly what we mean by a being like allah okay um allah is an infinite being okay and that's what the verse is repudiating there cannot be two or more infinite or absolute or in other words divine beings that are together responsible for the creation of this universe um now, it's, it's obvious that the verse has got to be talking about that, right? Um, uh, for reasons that I'll outline in a moment. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obvious that it's not talking about this, for example. Um, we're not arguing here about whether or not there might be um, responsible for the creation of this universe, both Allah and then certain other non-divine beings, certain um, beings that are lesser than Allah. Right, so you know maybe certain other you know demigods or um, you know powerful beings that are nonetheless finite. Um, it's clear that it's not talking about that because in that sort of a situation where you've got one being that has um, that is infinite, that has, for example, infinite power, and then another being or another set of beings that are all finite. Well, then it's obvious that the first being can easily thwart the other beings. The first being can prevent the other beings from getting involved in the creation of the universe or from ruining the universe, you know, as, as the verse mentions. Um, it's obvious that, you know, there, there, there's simply going to be no issue. The question is whether or not, um, once it's conceded that the universe uh, does point to an infinite being, could there now be multiple infinite beings? Um, because, you know, at every step of the way, our opponents are going to do exactly that. They're going to oppose us. You know, even if we can show, for example, that the universe points to a divine creator, 
then they're going to argue that, and indeed they have argued that, well, you know, how do you know that there aren't multiple divine creators? Um, you know, you say that we should worship a being named Allah, but how do we know that there aren't other beings uh, like him that are also responsible for the creation of the universe? So um, that is in particular the argument or, or, or the position that the verse is, um, that, that the verse is repudiating. Um, that's the argument that we're um, dealing with here today. Now, um, it's a separate question whether or not the universe does in fact point to an infinite being. Okay? So in, for today's purposes, our interlocutor um, is conceding that. So the persons we're arguing against are conceding that. They're saying, yeah, sure, maybe the universe points to an infinite creator, but how do we know there aren't two or more such beings? So that aspect of the argument is being conceded. Um, uh, but, you know, if someone were to, you know, argue separately that, hey, you know, hang on, maybe um, a finite being would suffice to create this universe so that maybe multiple finite beings are, you know, responsible for its creation and things such as this, um, well, then, then we would need a separate argument. Um, we would need to argue that the universe does indeed require or does indeed point to an infinite rather than a finite being. Um, so we'll leave that for another time. You know, inshallah, we can maybe tackle that next week um, or, or, or in future weeks. Um, but today I want to have a focused discussion on this um, particular issue and this particular verse and this particular delil, the delil al-tamanu'ah. Um, if I pronounce it correctly, you know the, uh, the 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 argument from mutual hindrance or the proof from mutual uh, the proof uh, relating to mutual hindrance. Um, so, how have our scholars um, of old, right? How have you know uh, Islamic scholars historically um, understood this verse? Um, how what kind of a proof have they uh, formulated? Uh, you know, um, uh, in relation to this particular verse. So what kind of a proof is this Dalil al-Tamanura, this argument for mutual hindrance? Well, you know, it, it goes roughly along these lines. Okay. Um, now, imagining the impossible, right, um, imagining that there could be, you know, two or more uh, absolute beings, because, you know, immediately you have a problem. Like, it's not as though our scholars... Uh, except for a moment that two or more absolute beings could really exist. I mean, there are other arguments. Um, you know, there are, you know, just by analysing the concept of what it means to be, you know, an absolute being, a being of absolute or infinite power, just by analysing those concepts and considering their ramifications, um, just on that basis, we could argue that, look, you can only have one absolute being. But, you know, let's just for a moment try to imagine the impossible. Right? Let's pretend for a moment that two such beings, um, or two or more such beings, did exist. Okay. Um, our scholars are arguing that certainly you're not going to get a universe like what we see. You're not going to get any universe at all. Okay? Um, because seeing as though these beings are both absolute, Right. They're both infinite beings, right? That means that both of these beings uh, are like this, right? Uh, they have all, um, all good attributes, right? Every attribute of perfection, like every good thing, like life, like power, like knowledge, right? They have all such attributes, 
and only such attributes, okay? So they have all attributes of perfection and only attributes of perfection. They don't have any attributes of imperfection. Like, unlike us, they're in no way limited. They're in no way deficient. They have no defects, okay? Um, seen as though all of these beings, or both of these putative beings um, that we're imagining just for a moment, seen as though they're all infinite in this way, they both have, for example, infinite power, they have um, absolute free will. They have the free will to do whatever they want. They have the power to create whatever they will. Um, seen as though they're both like that, then the following would be possible, right? If two such beings could exist, the following would be, poss would be possible. As soon as one being wills to create something, for example, putative absolute being, you know, infinite being or divine being A, divine being number one, chooses to create, let's say, you know, um, uh, a region of space, right? creates a space field, and in that space field he has, uh, let's say, one particle, one photon of light, you know, one quark. The moment he does that, as soon as he does that, the other being could somehow hinder him. He could either, he could, because he too is an absolute being, he too can do whatever he wants. I mean, that's just what it means to have absolute will. It means you can do whatever you want. So that if, if there exists, for example, somewhere, some particle, then you can annihilate that particle. If there exists somewhere, a space field, a region of space, you can bring about the annihilation or the destruction of that space field. Um, you can do whatever you want. Um, so seeing as though that's possible, Seeing as though these beings could um, mutually hinder one another, then you're simply not going to see this orderly universe that we have. The fact that we have a long-lived, long right, a long-lived, um, uh, yeah, sorry, a long-lived uh, orderly universe. Seeing as though we have a, a universe uh, such as the one that we uh, exist in and the one that we observe that strongly disconfirms, it very much shows that uh, this universe is not the product of uh, two beings that are hindering one another. Um, two such beings have not meddled in this universe. Um, because, if, again, if two such beings existed, then they, uh, you know, they would hinder one another. They would have the ability to prevent one another from uh, you know, creating whatever they choose to create. So that's roughly how um, our scholars have argued against this idea that, you know, uh, even if the universe points to um, the existence of a, a, an infinite creator, um, how do we know that there aren't multiple such beings in existence? How do we know that this universe hasn't been, you know, created by two or more absolute beings? Well, it's because absolute beings um, would hinder one another, okay? They'd have the power to annihilate what the other um, wants to create or what the other has, in fact, created. Now, you might be thinking at this point, well, you know, well, 
what if what if it were to happen that these beings um, choose to cooperate? What if they use their absolute will in that particular way? You know, just like how um, you know sometimes you see even very powerful rulers here in the world, uh, they often do cooperate. Um, they often do you know take advice from you know their you know their economic advisors or or whatever, or they do you know make agreements with other rulers and so on. Um, you know, how do we know that these beings you know um, can't cooperate? You know, um, you know, they might have chosen to use their will and power in that particular way. Um, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Um, and uh, you, after we read Bedouzaman's take on the issue, yeah, inshallah, we'll come back to that and we'll see how, again, such a thing could not be possible. Okay, um, beings that have absolute will. Um, cannot cooperate, they do not cooperate, they do not um, bend to the will of another in any sense whatsoever. Um, so let me go ahead now and read just a very short section um, from, Bismillah, just a very short section from Bedizaman's um, Rays collection, and this is the second ray, yeah, second ray, second station, okay, I'm just going to read uh, say a page and a half, okay, so a lot less than, yeah, a lot less than what I read last time round. Uh, so just bear with me for this. A'uzu billahi minash shaitan rajim bismillah rahman rahim So I'll read this and then I'll, I'll come back and as I promised, I will also um, reiterate exactly what we mean by divine unity, okay, for those of you who might not, might not be uh, entirely familiar with the notion. Um, I'll reiterate that, and then we'll also discuss what Bedouzaman said, and then we'll return, inshallah, to that uh, particular counter-argument about cooperating um, uh, absolute beings, okay? You know, beings that choose not to hinder one another, okay? We'll come back to all of those issues, inshallah. Second station. There are incalculable proofs necessitating in absolutely certain form Tawheed, divine unity, and the affirmation of it, which neither accept nor permit shirk, the association of partners with Allah. Since hundreds and perhaps thousands of these are demonstrated in detail in the Risali Nur, this treatise here, here only three of them which necessitate divine unity will be set out briefly. And we're only going to look at one of those three, okay? The first. According to the testimony of the wise and discerning acts which are to be observed in the universe, creatures are made through the limitless attributes and names, the asma, of an all-wise sovereign. Okay, a sovereign who is Hakim, all-wise. One perfect and mighty, whose knowledge and power are absolutes. Okay, so absolute, infinite in the qualitative sense, as I said a week or two ago. Okay, Allah is infinite in the qualitative um, as opposed to the quantitative sense. Right, He's not infinite in the sense that you know He's uh, He's a number. He's not He's not infinity uh, in the numerical sense. No, He's infinite in the qualitative sense, which is to say that He is absolutely perfect okay he's absolute he's perfect doesn't have any limitation defect or fault there are no good attributes that, we, that he lacks and there are no um, attributes of imperfection that he has okay okay yes 
It may be surmised certainly from the works in the universe that their maker, with a capital M, okay, their maker, Allah, possesses sovereignty and rulership at the degree of absolute rububiyya. Okay, rububiyya is Allah as administrator of this whole universe. Allah, for example, is the one who meets the needs of every single entity, whether living or non-living. Allah is the being who moves every particle in the universe. Okay? Allah is the being who manifests his names um, and you know, brings about all of the activity uh, all throughout the universe, past, present and future. Okay? That's what Allah's rububiyyah, his dominicality refers to. All right. Okay, so I'll just read that again. It may be surmised certainly from the works in the, in the universe that their maker, Allah, possesses sovereignty and rulership at the degree of absolute rububiyyah. Okay, in other words, Allah does everything. That's the kind of ruler he is. He does everything himself. Okay, he doesn't have any partners in the universe. He has grandeur and magnificence right, at the degree of absolute might. Right, he's absolutely powerful. And perfection and self-sufficiency at the degree of absolute Godhead, which I believe in the original is going to be uh, Uluhiya, Godhead. Okay. And that his activity and rule are absolutely without restriction or limits. These are understood clearly and are visible. As for sovereignty, grandeur, perfection, self-sufficiency, absoluteness, comprehensiveness, unrestrictedness and unlimitedness, they necessitate unity and are opposed to partnership. The testimony to unity of sovereignty and rulership. Okay, so that's a heading. The testimony to unity of, of sovereignty and, and rulership. This has been proved with complete certainty in numerous places in the Risali Nur. A brief summary is as follows. Okay, the mark of a rulership is, okay, so he's going to say now what's essential to rulership, like what is it that uh, a, a true ruler has, okay, what are the marks of rulership? Well, they are these, independence, solitariness, and the rejection of interference. Rulership necessitates these. Due to only a shadow of rulership, impotent men even, so we human beings, who by their natures are in need of assistance, reject the interference of others and preserve their independence. It is for this reason that there cannot be, okay, so this bit's important, guys, okay, this bit's really important. It is for this reason that there cannot be two kings in a country or two governors of a province, or two mayors of a town, or even two ahs, right, two headmen of a village. If there are two of any of these, it leads to chaos. Rebellions break out, and law and order are overturned. Since a mere shadow of rulership in impotent men, needy of assistance, repels the partnership and interference of... Others, to this extent, surely the rulership, which is in the form of rububiyya, the medicality, of an absolutely powerful one, 
free of all impotence, will in no way accept any partners or interference. He will reject it vehemently. He will reject it vehemently and angrily repulse from his court those who ascribe imaginary partners to him. The all-wise Qur'an severe threats against those who ascribe partners to Allah, right? those who commit shuk, arises from this truth. Okay, and that's the end of that little section. Okay, so let's come back now to this issue of divine unity, okay, which is our topic today. Right? Um, divine unity is of critical, critical importance. You know, um, think back to think back to our discussions, guys, of. Um, <sighs> the purpose for which Allah has created the universe, okay? Um, we've discussed recently and on countless occasions during these halakas that the reason why Allah has created, right, or at least part of the reason why he's created, is so that we created beings right, could witness or experience all of the different manifestations of Allah's names and attributes throughout the universe and through those come to know him, and through that come to love and appreciate him, and then to express that love and appreciation through all of the various forms of worship and supplication and dua that we're commanded to perform. Okay, Allah loves his own beauty and perfection, and he wants for us too to love it. He has created us so that just as he enjoys his own beauty, so that we too could enjoy it. So actually, to be created as a worship, worshipper is, a, is, is an indescribable honour, an unimaginable um, good, an indescribable good, an indescribable pleasure. If only we could understand its mahiyah, its true nature, um, we would see that it's an absolute good. Okay? Um, so to, we should very much want to worship Allah. Okay? Because to worship Allah is just to experience his beauty. It's to enjoy his beauty um, with all of our different faculties and then to respond as he deserves to be responded to. Now, here's the problem. What if, what if we did not know that Allah is a being of unity? Okay? What if that wasn't part of the religion? What if that wasn't one of the things that we're taught about Allah? What if we didn't know that he has names like, you know, Ahad and Wahid or Fard? Then we'd very much end up in a similar position to even certain um, Christians nowadays who think, for example, that, um, you know, it's not just Allah who acts, it's not just God who um, can um, do things out there in the physical world. Also, you know, the, for example, the various force carrier particles that Allah has created, they too can act. They can act under their own steam. They have their own power to move about. Um, you know, Allah has, you know, taught them what to do and they just, you know, under their own power, of their own volition, if you will, they, they act. Right. You know, what if we believe things like that, you know, which are all contrary to Tawheed, right? Which are all different forms of shirk, attributing partners to Allah. Okay. Um, if we believe that, 
Right? If we didn't know that Allah is Wahid, for example, that He is a being of unity, um, then to whom should I be thankful for any given instance of beauty that I enjoy here in the world? Right? Here we are, moment by moment, we're enjoying beauty. We're imbibing beauty. Look, my circulatory system continues to work. My respiratory system, moment by moment, continues to work. My consciousness continues to operate. My memory continues to function. At least three to five times a day, I find food on my table. I see my children um, eat food from that same table. To whom should I be thankful for any one of these meals? Should I be thankful to Allah? Or should I be thankful also to the particles out of which that food is made? Or to forces like gravity and the strong force or the weak nuclear force um, and such like? To whom should I be thankful? Uh, who should I worship, in other words? That's the problem, you see. Attributing partners to Allah or not fully understanding the ramifications of shirk, it runs contrary to the very purpose of our creation. We've been created to experience divine beauty and then show our love for him. Right? Show that we love his beauty by responding to him in the ways that he has prescribed. Allah has said, perform salah five times a day. I've made that obligatory upon you, Allah says. Um, that's the, one of the primary ways that Allah wants us to show that we're thankful to him, that we appreciate him, that we understand his absoluteness, that we understand that he can see us at all times, etc., etc. Um, Allah has created us to do exactly that. Um, but he's created us to do that in response to the ni'atma that he um, manifests and the names and attributes of his that he manifests here in the world. Now, if we think that some of the events that occur in the universe um, are, drew, are due at least in part to some other beings like um, forces or laws or, um, you know, certain molecules, you know, we think that, for example, the tree is due to the DNA in the seed. Uh, and, and silly ideas of this nature, then we can't truly thank Allah in the manner that he has asked. Um, Allah wants to be appreciated for the beauty that he manifests, but we, and we can't do that um, to whatever extent we attribute partners to him. And that's a huge problem, because that's the only reason why we've been created. Allah says in the Qur'an, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُمْ and I did not create jinn and mankind other than to worship me. We don't have any other job other than that, in other words. Okay, we've not been created to um, you know, uh, um, go out there and uh, work and earn money so to build a bigger house than our neighbour. Um, or you know, to marry the most attractive person that I can um, attract. Or um, anything along those lines. Okay. Um, it's easy to think that that's all we exist for. It's easy to think that all you know, all we're meant to do is just yeah, you know, go and get an education so as to earn as much money as possible, so as to maximise um, certain pleasures, certain base pleasures. It's easy to think that that's what life is all about. Um, but Allah said He didn't create us for those reasons. Allah created us only to worship Him and to commit shirk runs contrary to that purpose. So I cannot overstate the importance of the affirmation of Tawheed.
Okay? So what exactly is the affirmation of Tawheed, right? This critically important thing. This thing which if you get wrong, right, if you in a culpable way get this wrong, this is an unforgivable sin, right? It's one of the unforgivable sins, the attribution of partners to Allah. So we better know exactly what we're talking about here. We better know exactly what Tawheed is so that we don't commit it. All right. Um, if we don't understand Tawheed, we're apt to think, for example, that um, maybe living beings have been created through an evolutionary process, um, a, an evolutionary process that's uh, natural. In other words, not directed by Allah. Um, we're apt to make these sorts of mistakes, especially given that we're here and we're getting educated in the you know, uh, secular Western system. Right. Um, yeah, if we don't understand what Tawhid means, we're apt to think that, yeah, Allah has partners, okay, like some Christians think. Um, you know, the particles can, partic it's not just Allah who has power, some particles also have power, <laughs> okay. Tawhid means this, okay. Well, look, first of all, let's say this. Allah has the name of Fard, and this is an Isma Azam, Right. Um, an Isma Azam is a name that's manifest most greatly. It's, it's most evident here, more evident. Um, you, know, you, you notice it, if you know how to read the book of the universe, you notice this name before certain other names. Right? So various scholars came up with lists of Isma Azam, right? greatest names. Um, for Beduzaman, the name Fard is definitely an Isma Azam. Right? It shines most brightly here in the created realm, in this particular universe. Right, that we live in now. The name Fard means that Allah is one in a particular sense. It means that he is, he is one in the sense of being both Ahad and Wahid. So it's a kind of umbrella name. It's a name that encapsulates two other names. It refers to two other names. Right? To say that Allah is Fard is to say that he is Ahad and Wahid. So to say that Allah is Ahad is to say that he is Zat, his essence. Whatever that essence is, it's a, that essence is unknowable. We don't know it's mahir. We don't know it's reality. We only know about the names and attributes uh, that pertain to it. Um, but nonetheless, um, we do know this, right, about that unknowable that, right? that, that essence whose mahir we don't know. We do know that it has this particular attribute, okay? Um, Allah is ahad. No other beings have an essence like him. To contrast that with us um, human beings, what makes us human is that we each have a human ruh. Right? That's what differentiates us from other ruhaniya. There are other beings with different sorts of ruhs. Right? We have a human ruh, human spirit. Um, so I have a ruh, but then so too does Shabir, so too does Abra, so too does, uh, so too do all of us. Okay? Um, Allah is not like that. His essence, right? So our, our, our ruh is our essence, right? That's deep down what we really are. Okay? We are a, a ruh with certain uh, faculties attached to it. All right. Um, well, what Allah is, is that, you know, he, he, he has a certain zat, right? Um, that zat is had by him and him alone. There aren't other um, entities that have the same zat um, that he has, the same essence that he has. So that's what the name ahad means. He is one in his essence. And then he manifests that name, right? He manifests his ahadiyya, his oneness, uh, in various ways in the universe. And, and that's a topic for another discussion, okay? Um, uh, 
Also, Allah is Wahid. To say that Allah is Wahid is to say that He is a being of unity. So, Ahad, to say that He is Ahad is to say that He is a being of oneness. Right? To say that He is um, Wahid is to say that He is a being of unity. So, um, whereas Ahad pointed to the oneness of His Azat, um, right? it meant that only He has the Azat, the essence that He has. The name Wahid points to the fact that only Allah has the names and attributes that he does, right? So there are certain names and attributes that Allah has. We discussed them in very recent weeks. Um, Allah has, for example, um, Qudra. He has absolute power. He has absolute free will. Um, he has absolute knowledge. Right? He has ilm. Right? And hence he has the name of Al-Alim, um, uh, uh, Al-Qadir, Al-Wadud. Uh, Ar-Rahman, Rahim. He has all of these um, names, uh, which themselves all relate to certain attributes. Only Allah has those names and attributes. There aren't other beings that are also um, uh, Qadir, right? There are there aren't other beings that also have absolute power, absolute knowledge, um, and so on. Okay. Um, so. Straight away we can see, the moment I tell you that only Allah has the names and attributes that he does. Right? Well, a couple of things follow from that. First of all, what we should know is that every manifestation of those names that we witness here in the universe, and we do, we do see a manifestation of infinite power, absolute power here in this universe. And I'm going to talk more about that, inshallah, next week or whenever we discuss um, uh, Allah's uh, infinitude. Like, you know, uh, remember I said at the start of this discussion that, you know, we need to provide a separate argument for why it is that this universe points to an infinite rather than a finite being. So I'll say more about this in, in another week, probably next week, inshallah. Um, but um, certainly, you know, the magnitude of this universe and, you know, the continuity of this universe um, and so on, right? Um, certain, um, like, it's, it's certain uh, things manifested in this universe, such as its grandeur, you know, its sheer size and so on, all point to the infinitude of Allah's power, the infinitude of his, of his creativity and so on. Okay, um, so the moment that I tell you that Allah is Wahid, um, if I notice that this in this universe uh, there is a manifestation of infinite power, then straight away I know that this universe is pointing to Allah as opposed to any other being, because only Allah has the name of Al Qadir. Only Allah is um, uh, uh, only Allah has the attribute of Qudra, absolute power. Okay, um, since only Allah has that particular attribute, I mean this is what we believe, right? So, so I'm not. Um, uh, uh, providing a proof right here and now I'm just saying this is a tenet of faith for the Muslims right? seeing as though we believe in a being named Allah um, who is also Al-Wahid right? straight away we've got to also believe that this infinite power that we're witnessing here in this universe it must be Allah's power that's manifesting it can't be someone else's right? it can't belong to any other being or any other entity right? As a matter of faith, okay? As a matter of faith, it can only be pointing to Allah. Um, okay. Um, so that's what it means for Allah to be um, uh, Fard and Ahad and uh, Wahid. Okay. Uh, Allah is, yeah, he's a being of oneness, 
Neither beings share his essence, neither beings share his names and attributes. So it follows from all this that Allah has no partners in um, the manifestation of his names and attributes. He doesn't have any helpers, in other words. Okay? He doesn't need, um, he, nor, he, he neither needs nor will he countenance, even for a moment, any assistance from other entities. He's not going to create um, particles that have their own power uh, to act other than for Allah. Okay, to act on their own, as certain Christians think, um, uh, or anything resembling that. Um, Allah acts on his own in this universe. Everything that happens out there in the physical universe happens only through Allah's names and attributes. Um, so it's very important. Again, it's, I cannot overstate um, the importance of this because if you think otherwise if you think that Allah has partners in the manifestation of his names and attributes if you think for example that uh, it's not just Allah that um, it's not just Allah's beauty that shines here in this universe I too um, uh, have beauty in and of myself Okay, uh, not, not, not merely as a mirror to Allah's beauty not just as a being that reflects Allah's beauty, but in and of myself. I have my own beauty. You know what? My family should be thankful to me for the food they get to eat. I'm the one that goes out and works, so my family owe um, thanks to me in and of myself. Not because Allah commanded them to thank me, right? just because. If I was to think in that way, then I'm committing shirk. Right? I'm failing to appreciate Allah's name of Wahid. Allah's unity, the fact that he has no partners in the manifestation of his names. Okay, um, And if I was to do that, again, I would be acting very much contrary to the very purpose of my creation. Um, and, and for that reason, it's an unforgivable sin. If you die, if you die with that belief in your heart, um, Allah says that he doesn't forgive that. Okay, So we want to remove that from our hearts well before that. Um, again, you don't know when you're going to die. You could die in the next moment or tomorrow, or tonight. Um, yeah, we want to very much convince ourselves of this. Okay, So, what does Bedouzaman say um, in this regard? Okay, uh, So, thinking back to the Dalil al-Tamanra, um, you, know, you know, if there were two or more absolute beings that together created this universe, then they would have hindered one another, you know, Seeing as though they've both got absolute power, they'd be able to destroy whatever the other one creates and thwart it. They'd be able to thwart one another. Okay, so what's Bedizuman's take on all of this? How does Bedizuman discuss it? Well, he talks about he talks about this, uh, and I'll reread that sentence actually. Um, The mark of rulership is independence, solitariness, and the rejection of interference. Rulership necessitates these. Right. Um, then he goes on to say, It is for this reason that there cannot be two kings in a country, or two governors of a province, or two mayors of a town, or even two headmen of a village. Okay. Um, so what Petr pointing there to is something that's essential to rulership. Okay. Um, so, rulership is one context in which uh, beings that have a will manifest that will. Okay? So, you know, think of even human rulers. Right? Um, we have, us human beings, we have a very limited free will. 
Um, but some of us get to manifest this free will a little bit more than others. Uh, you know, if I'm the Prime Minister of Australia, let's say, I get to have my way, maybe more so than uh, just a common citizen, because I'm the one that gets to make the laws and so on and so on. I'm the one who makes the rules. I'm the one who decides how things are going to work here in this polity, here in this country. Um, so, you know, when he's talking about rulership there, he's talking about a context in which we use free will. Now, think about free will. Uh, free will, by its very nature, it's the sort of thing that wants to impose itself. Right? The stronger the will, right, the more perfected the will, the closer it is to being perfect or unlimited or absolute or infinite, right? the closer it is to being a perfect will, the lesser the extent to which it's going to bend to the will of another, the lesser the extent to which it's going to accept interference, all right. Um, so, I mean, look at even a child. Even a petulant child wants his or her way, right? Um, so, particularly, you know, uh, beings that have, like, you know, human beings that have a little bit more power, you know, a little bit more knowledge, uh, and so on and so on. Um, you know, beings that sort of have certain advantages, let's say, they do not ever like to bend to the will of another. Uh, that's just the nature of will, right? Beings that have will, I mean, what it means to have will is just to want to have your way. Now, you might think at this point, um, hang on, don't free will beings, uh, even, even human rulers, like, don't they sometimes um, bend to the will of others? Like, don't they sometimes, uh, you know, ask for help or seek advice and so on? Um, yes, it's true. They do do that, but they only do that... Um, they do that only to the extent of their weakness and poverty and their neediness. Okay, um, if they weren't needy, right? if a being had all knowledge, if a being was absolutely powerful, then to that extent, it wouldn't seek advice. It, uh, you know, having all knowledge, it wouldn't need to seek uh, advice. Having all power, it wouldn't need to seek assistance and so on. So um, we mustn't be fooled by that. Okay, that's not a counter argument to what I'm about to say. Right? It's not a counter argument to you know our scholars who propounded the Dalil al Tamanur. Human possessors of free will, human rulers, they bend to the will of another only to the extent of their weakness and poverty. Um, yeah, we need help. You know, even the prime minister doesn't know everything about say economics, so hence he has an economic advisor. Um, uh, you know, the Prime Minister can't be everywhere to um, make sure that the law is obeyed, so hence he um, pays a police force, and so on and so on. Um, you know, the ruler cannot fight um, a war on his own, and hence he pays an army, etc., uh, etc. Et it's to, only to whatever extent um, we human beings are weak. You know, we can't fight our own battles. We don't have all the facts. We don't know um, everything. Uh, only to that extent do we um, bend to the will of another. Like, consider this situation. Um, what if someone says, oh, um, you know, don't we sometimes choose to do not what we want, but what someone else wants? Like, let's say, for example, that a man puts a gun to my head right, and says, you know, um, you're going you're gonna to commit suicide. You're going to kill yourself um, either by my bullet or by jumping um, off this tall building. 
you choose. <laughs> you know, and because I'm much more afraid of jumping from a height than being, you know, shot by a bullet, I say, all right, go ahead and shoot me. So, sure, I've used my will in that set of circumstances, but I, it's, it's, it's a use of a will only in a very weak sense, isn't it? That's easy to see. Um, it's a choice that I'm making only because I'm in a position of weakness um, and disadvantage vis-a-vis -vis my oppressor. Right, so a man's got a gun to my head, and you know, hence he's you know telling me to jump off uh, this tall building. Now, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't choose that. That's not how I'd use my free will. That's not what I want to do. Uh, it's not how I want to use my free will. Um, but on on this particular occasion, I do choose to use my free will uh, in this particular way. I say yes, go ahead and shoot me, um, or you know, go yeah, I do jump off, or whatever I choose to choose. Um, I choose it only, again, due to my weakness and poverty. Right? So none of these are going to apply to um, absolute beings. Um, but this is what I'm saying, look, even worldly rulers who are very much uh, weak and impoverished, you know, they need armies, they need advisors, uh, they have only a shadow of rulership, that Duzaman says. They have, you know, just a, an imaginary power. Uh, a very dependent uh, and, and a very weak free will, a free will that's limited in countless ways. Um, even these guys, even they tend to, how, to whatever extent possible, they tend to reject interference, don't they? Um, now, to... to uh, so, Bedusman's taking this notion, right, This the rejection of interference as something that's integral to as something that's essential to free will right it's essential to rulership and you know the freedom of will and so on um, it's 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 to it's it's part and parcel of it right to whatever extent you've got free will to that extent uh, you will reject interference right um, so Bedusman's first establishing that principle and then what he's doing is he's pointing to um, real world examples of this he's saying you know if, if you if you don't believe what I'm saying like if this principle doesn't if you think that this principle is incorrect just have a look out there in the world um, and you'll see it play out um, have a look at situations where you know um, there have been two headmen in a village or two to rulers of a, of a, of a country, uh, chaos has always ensued. Um, you know, we see this, yeah, we see this all the time. Um, you know, what happens when we try to, um, yeah, what happens when we try to share rulership? Chaos always ensues, decisions cannot be made, and so on and so on. So it's important to understand that Bedouzaman's not making there some crude argument from analogy. We've got to get the order of the argument right here. Okay, but this one's not saying. Um, look, you know, worldly rulers, worldly rulers, they tend to um, reject interference, um, and for that reason, divine rulers must also reject interference. No, it's actually the other way around. Um, you know, it's, it, it, to, to to understand the argument in that way is to sort of get its order wrong. What Bedouzaman's saying is that. The rejection of interference is something that's part and parcel of um, rulership and freedom of the will. Uh, what it means to have freedom of will is just to do what you want and to reject interference. Um, now, we might sometimes accept interference, but that's only to the extent that um, our rulership and our freedom of will is imperfect.
Okay. Um, so he's saying that that's a rule, and then he's saying, look, this rule we can actually see it play out. Um, there are actually real-world examples where we see this occur. Um, so that what happens in the world confirms the principle that he's um, um, that he's stating. Okay. So it's important to understand the argument because if we uh, get the order of reasoning incorrect, then we're going to open ourselves up to um, objections. They're going to say, well, you know, our opponents are going to say, well, you know, uh, arguments from an analogy, uh, arguments from analogy, they're always, you know, defective. They're always, um, uh, you know, they're not so good. Look, you know, worldly rulers are disanalogous to, uh, you know, divine rulers. Uh, they're different in many, many ways so that, you know, what applies to the one may not apply to the other and so on. They're going to try to respond in that sort of way. But that's not what Bedouzman is doing here. He's not making an argument from analogy. Um, you know, rather, he's, yeah, he's stating uh, a principle. He's analysing the concept of um, rulership and, you know, uh, freedom of will. And then he's actually um, pointing to um, uh, evidence of uh, uh, this principle um, playing out here in the um, world. Okay, so uh, now, uh, based on what we've already said, we can see now why Bedouzman thinks that uh, you know um, this universe cannot be the product of uh, two or more um, rulers, two or more divine creators. Why? Because divine beings, right, absolute beings. Being absolute, being infinite, naturally they're going to have uh, absolute freedom of will. If they've got rulership, they're going to have absolute rulership. Now, absolute freedom of will and absolute rulership is going to reject interference, absolutely. It's going to repudiate um, assistance. It's going to repudiate uh, um, cooperation and, and so on. It's going to in general, repudiate interference uh, in, its, uh, in its rulership and in, its, uh, in the operation of its free will to an infinite degree, in an absolute uh, way. Okay? Just as human rulers uh, reject interference to whatever extent they do have rulership, they always reject interference in their rule, um, in the freedom of their will, they always reject interference, well, then you can extrapolate from that now to the situation of a divine being. A divine being is, of course, going to um, repudiate interference in its rule, interference in its creation, and so on, to an infinite degree, to an absolute degree. So it's absolutely impossible. Okay. Finally, let's come, like I've got a few minutes left, let's come now to this issue of uh, cooperation. Okay, um, You know, uh, so... Again, um, uh, you know, certainly there are other ways of proving this same point. You know, just by relying on conceptual analysis, we can prove this same point, right? But, you know, let's just pretend that we can overlook that for a moment. Let's just bracket that out for a moment. And let's just imagine that there can exist, uh, you know, two absolute beings. Uh, I mean, there is no possibility of such a thing, uh, just, on, just for conceptual reasons. There is no possibility. But let's... Forget that for a moment. Let's pretend there are two uh, absolute beings. Right? Um, could these two absolute beings, could they cooperate? Right? 
Could they cooperate to you know, create this universe together? Right? That's what our um, uh, interlocutor uh, is going to ask. That's, what, that's the counter-argument that might come to mind. You know? Sure, our scholars are arguing that they could mutually hinder one another. All right. They could mutually hinder one another. As soon as one creates a particle, the other could destroy it. But what if they choose not to do that? You know, couldn't that happen? Right? Couldn't it come about that these two or more beings, they just choose to uh, cooperate. They choose to agree. They choose not to hinder one another. Right? One creates a photon of light and the other you know, agrees for uh, it to take its place in this universe that they're creating together. Um, what's the problem with this line of thought? Okay. Um, well, consider what needs to happen for these two beings to um, agree in this particular sense. We're talk because we're talking about divine beings, right? These are the sorts of beings that are independent of one another, right? If they're not, if they're in any sense dependent on one another, then straight away they don't count as divine beings. Okay, so these are two beings that are independent. They have their own power, they have their own ideas, they have their own creativity. Um, now, why are these beings creating? Well, let's say they're creating to manifest their creativity. They're creating to manifest their power. They're creating to manifest their beauty, let's say. All right. um, the problem is that because they're infinite beings, they can... Uh, manifest their creativity in an infinite variety of different ways. All right? So like when Allah chooses to create, for example, uh, you know, uh, a photon of light or uh, a quark, um, he's relying there on his infinite creativity. Right? He has an infinite store of creativity. He could have created, he, he, he could, and indeed he will, in the fullness of time, Allah will, I mean, this is what we believe, right? I mean, uh, in Jannah, in the fullness of time, Allah will create an infinite variety of things. I mean, that's just, that just follows from his infinitude. He's a being of infinite beauty, infinite perfection, and hence, you know, if he wants to manifest his beauty, he will do so infinitely. He can create forever. Um, so, there is an infinite um, range. There is an infinite range of possibilities for Allah. Okay, there is an infinite range of ways that He can choose to manifest His beauty. In the fullness of time, that's what's going to happen. Right? In the fullness of time, in Jannah, we're going to see an infinite variety of goods, an infinite variety of beauty, an infinite variety of foods, and so on and so on. Um, so, therefore, it is infinitely improbable. It is infinitely unlikely that these two beings are going to concur, all right? And that's what needs to happen, okay? So, because, see, they've both got infinite um, will, so they're not going to bend to the will of the other. They're not going to say, well, you know, um, look, you have your way. You choose what to create. Um, you have the first turn. They're not going to do that. They're not going to bend to the will of one another. What would need to happen is that their wills would need to, quite literally, coincide, um, but because these are infinite beings who can manifest their creativity in an infinite variety of ways, that is just infinitely improbable. Right? Out of an infinite variety of things that, um, let's say, being A, right, being A creates, let's say, um, a photon, all right, creates a photon of light. Um, why should it come about that being B also chooses to create or also chooses to accept in his 
uh, universe, right? So he's here, here. Imagine, think of the universe on the analogy of a canvas, right? A, a, an artist's canvas. I mean, that's exactly what this universe is. It's an artist's canvas. It's it's the uh, it's al sanis It's Allah's canvas. Right? It's a canvas on which he manifests his artistry, his beauty. Right? So. It's infinitely improbable that this second being, this putative second being, who we know cannot exist, but we're just imagining for a moment the impossible. Right? It's infinitely improbable that this other being is going to want, in this universe, exactly that same thing. All right? um, so, now, this infinite improbability has to occur in respect of every single thing that gets created. Right? And the created realm is an infinite realm. Right? I mean, the dunya might be a finite realm. But if you consider all of the realms that Allah will create, right, all of the realms that Allah has created, the dunya, the akhirah, jannah, um, we're talking about an infinite realm. Right? Um, over infinite time, Allah will create you know, an infinite variety of things. So this supposed, and I'm going to finish on this point, guys, right? This supposed... Um, uh, you know, congruence or this, you know, cooperation, this meeting of the wills, if you will. Right? Um, uh, this infinitely improbable meeting of the wills has to occur an infinite number of times over. So it's infinitely, infinitely improbable. So, inf okay, so that's infinity squared, right? Inf no, rather, infinity to the power of infinity. <laughs> okay, it's infinitely, infinitely improbable. All right. Um, so it's just not going to happen. Um, uh, you know, yeah, it's just uh, uh, it's, it's absurd in various ways. And it's absurd even before, uh, you know, it's, it, it's absurd wholly aside from a whole set of um, uh, conceptual reasons that we have not even touched on today. Okay, there are a whole range of conceptual issues, conceptual problems with the, eye, the very idea of two absolute beings. But we'll talk more about those, inshallah, um, when we talk about Allah's infinitude, um, uh, inshallah, next week. Um, yeah, you know, so again, I said at the start that, you know, someone might object that maybe, you know, the universe has, maybe the universe points only to a finite being. So we want to repudiate that notion, inshallah, next week. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about these issues, uh, inshallah, then. Um, I hope that that has uh, made sense. Uh, I hope that it's been understandable. I hope that I've given it its due. Uh, if anything has been unclear, please do let me know via the WhatsApp group. Um, uh, I hope that you. Thanks again for joining us, and I hope that you can join us again next week. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma alimtana innaka antal alimul hakim. Ala rasulina salawat. Allahumma salam sayyidina Muhammad lilla al fatiha. Jazakallah khair and salam alaykum guys.